Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we want to jump into our message today. We're on our series, maybe you've heard of it, called Kingdom Culture. We've been at it for a little bit, and uh, it seems like every time I try to move off of it, God just keeps reassuring me this is the message that he wants me to be talking about for the moment. I don't know that everybody's supposed to be talking about it, but I know I'm supposed to be talking about it. So if you're sick of hearing about it, I'm sorry. Parts of me are, are ready to move on to something else, but I also know the voice of the Lord and what he's saying to me. So today I want to talk about the theme of the church of Revelation. The church of Revelation. So here at the Rhodes, we love our Bibles. We get excited about them when we open them because we believe it's the true blueprint for our life. So if you got your Bibles this morning, come on, E-Rhodes family, let's get excited. Let's open up to Revelation 13. Woo! Revelation 13. Sermon notes are in your worship guide or on the YouVersion Bible app. Note takers are world changers. Quick shout out also to Pastor Chris for knocking it out last week in a message. What's up, Pastor Chris? Man, phenomenal, phenomenal. So thankful for the gifts that we have in the body. Kingdom culture. When I talk about kingdom culture, our goal in this series from the very beginning, just want to set the table for this, was to get our focus back on the reality of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. That what's going on in our world, what's happening in the world around us is not a political division, it's not racial division, and it's not medical division. It is a spirit of division that is jumping around and changing topics, but it's the same goal, to create division in the world, to create division, more importantly, in the body of Christ. Because your Bible says in Psalm 133 that where unity is, God commands the blessing. So he wants to stop the blessing of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, working together. And the only way he can do that is try to bring division. So it's a spirit. We're working in a spiritual warfare, not political warfare, not racial warfare. Are there issues within those realms that need to be addressed? Absolutely, not downplaying those. I'm just saying the root of it all is evil. It's a sin problem, not a people problem. Just want to make sure we're clear on that because the strategy of the enemy was never to get people to worship him. Because that's too obvious. His strategy is to convince you and I that we can live without God. So he tries to get us focusing on these issues and just, it's one ideology versus another one and just get us back and forth. So whenever we're talking about the Antichrist and the end times in the book of Revelation, people will make the accusation that we're using apocalyptical rhetoric to bring fear. You heard that? That's just apocalyptical rhetoric. Maybe you've not heard that, but I've heard that. Just trying to talk about these end times things to scare people and get them all worked up and make all kinds of accusations about that. They lump any talk about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast as conspiracy theory. I want you to be prepared for something. One of our objectives here is not to grow the church, it's to grow people. Yeah. Yeah. What I've realized and what God's spoken to me after coronavirus uh, broke out and all these issues and, and uh, I realize it's still going on. I'm just saying through that time, one thing that God showed me is the weakness in the church of the believer. 
Now, I don't mean weakness like which way you went on an issue. I'm talking about the lack of biblical discipleship. That we have biblical illiteracy because here we have been raised up, and I'll blame the church. I'm not going to blame the world. We've been raised up into embracing churchianity where we thought our relationship with King Jesus was about coming to a building, listening to a person talk, and going home. I'll see you next week. That is not the kingdom. The kingdom is there is a king named Jesus who rules over everything, and he's coming back for us. And so we need to know who he is. He's a person. So they're going to try and put this, and this is what's going to happen as things come along. And I'll, I'll talk about it more specifically, but as things move towards the end times and towards the Antichrist, be ready for a discrediting of biblical views. It's already happening. But they're going to lump a lot of things. This phrase is going to be very common. I'm going to say it at the risk of people taking it the wrong way, but you're going to have to do it. They're going to put it in the lump of this phrase, right-wing conspiracy theories. Now, when I say that, don't think that I'm saying, yay, Republican. When I say, I'm just saying that's a phrase that they're using for all Christian beliefs especially by the end time. I'm not pro-Republican. I'm not pro-Democrat. I'm pro-Jesus. Get accused a lot of being Republican, get accused of all this, but I'm just saying my beliefs are my beliefs based on how I read the Bible. If the Republicans happen to line up with my beliefs on an issue or if the Democrats happen to line up with my beliefs on an issue, so be it. I don't believe it for them. I believe it for him. Big difference. Big difference. So now... Let's get into the point. I'm getting spending too much time on my introduction. Because uh, oh, here's another thing I heard. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to say this. <laughs> Listen, we just need, you're talking about this end time stuff. We need to get back to preaching Jesus. We just need to preach Jesus more. All right, if you actually have a physical Bible, hold your finger and go to the chapter one of the book of Revelation. I want you to look at the title of this book. Need to preach Jesus more. What is the title of this book? The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus. So when you're preaching revelation, you're preaching Jesus. The problem is most people are very acquainted with the Jesus of the gospel, but they have little to no knowledge about the revelation of Jesus of revelation. They're the one and the same person, but we like to just think about Jesus coming and, and all these things he did on the earth and die on the cross, but we don't think as much about what it's going to be like when he comes back. We know the Lamb of God, but we're not too familiar with the Lion of the tribe of Judah. They're all one and the same. All right, so now, have you found Revelation chapter 13? That's my introduction. Oh, help me, Lord. I wonder why I run out of time. Then I stood on that. We've decided, we took a vote that we're going to start changing our services. They're going to start lasting four hours. So, <laughs> yeah, not everybody's cheering. I, I promise you that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm letting a lot of thoughts run around the track right now. So. Then I stood, verse one. Then I stood, this is John. I stood on the sand of the sea. Remember this when we're reading the Bible, especially when we're reading Revelation. I want to help you study because you need to be a disciple of Jesus. You do not need to be a fan of Chad Everett. 
You need to be a disciple of Jesus. When you're reading the Revelation, when you're reading end times, remember, think of a bullseye. When you're reading the Bible, at the very center is Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem-centric. The next level out, Israel. Next level out, Middle East. Next level out, everybody else. That's how it works. Jerusalem, Israel, Middle East, the world. All right, so John, writing this, I stood on the sand of the sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, Middle East, and I saw a beast. What are beasts? Daniel chapter 7 says those four great beasts are four great kings. So a beast is not an animal. When you read the word beast, don't freak out. It's talking about a king or a kingdom. Rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. What are those seven heads? They are the seven empires that conquered and or occupied the land of Israel at one point in history and had ten horns. What are the ten horns? Those are the kings, the leaders. We've talked about all this, so go back and please watch previous messages. And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now, I want you to see something about these seven heads. Again, trying to make sure we understand where we're talking about. Bring up the map. These seven heads represent seven empires. Here's the map of the Islamic nations of the world that surround Israel. This is a map from the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the OIC. And you see the green represents all of them. Israel is right there in the middle. If you know where the Mediterranean Sea is, go underneath south of Turkey. It is that beige color. It is the only one beige color surrounded by all that green. All of these nations that once occupied or, or conquered Israel, all of these kingdoms, all this area is now Islamic or Muslim. Okay? That's not against the people. It's not where we attack people, but understanding what the authority, the ruling religion is. So again, we're against spirits, not individuals. So now let's look at, go back to this. Verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. All that's telling us is the Antichrist kingdom is going to be like the leopard, which represents the Grecian empire. He's going to be like the bear, which represents the Medo-Persian empire. And the mouth like the mouth of a lion, which rep represents the Babylonian empire. So it's telling us two things. One, geographically, where the Antichrist kingdom is going to rise out of. It also tells us, secondly, if you'll understand what the principal spirit was behind each of those kingdoms, that will be the values of the Antichrist kingdom. I know that's a lot, but when you go back and watch it and you watch it slowly and pause it, it'll make more sense. Verse, the next one. So then the dragon, the dragon gave him his power, his throne. Who's the dragon? Students. He's Satan, all right? We found that in chapter 12. The dragon gave the Antichrist his power, his throne, and great authority. You'll need to remember that. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. One of his heads. What do the heads represent? Kings or kingdoms. Not heads like this. Not like I'm, I'm looking at a seven-headed monster. No. One, he's describing what happened. One of these seven heads is mortally wounded. And then that deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. What's going to happen? What's going to cause all the world to marvel and begin to follow the beast? When I say all the world, remember we're talking about Middle Eastern part of the world. Not every single human being on the planet. What's going to happen? Well, one of these kingdoms 
had a mortal wound, died off. That is the Ottoman Empire at the end of World War I, 1924. They got rid of the Ottoman Empire and they split it up amongst different countries and they also uh, dissolved the caliphate system. Why is that important? If you're watching the news and doing research, watch for the restoration of the caliphate system. The restoration of the caliphate system is one religious and political leader over all the Islamic world. And that's going to be the strategy. That one individual is going to be set up to be caliphate. Keep your eye on Turkey. Anyway, I'll just keep reading. I throw in some barbs once in a while. I saw one of so was more. This is who the head was. So you're, does this help you understand what it's talking about when it says you got a head morally? Some people, you, I remember they used to teach me, teach me when I was a kid. I'm telling you, Antichrist is going to have his head chopped off and then it's going to be put back on. He's going to heal. He's going to grow a new head out of it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> now I'm like. <laughs> anyway, verse 4. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. Who gives authority to the Antichrist kingdom? The dragon. And they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who was able to make war with him? He's going to be so impressive, they're going to be like, man, there's nobody like him. When you think about the Antichrist, maybe this is your imagery. Maybe you imagine this red, evil-looking person. If that's your imagery of the Antichrist, you need to change it. Your image of the Antichrist needs to be a very nice-looking person, very smooth talker, very eloquent, very influential, one that everybody likes. He's not going to be some evil guy. He's going to be some very wonderful, outspoken, oh, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be impressive. Everybody's going to like him. Everybody's going to be like, who's like him? Who's like him? Who can make war with him? When you talk about make war with him, it's not talking about his uh, power so much as far as no army can come against him. It's going to be, who could come against this guy? Who could say anything opposed to him? Everybody likes John. Who could make war with him? He's the best. <laughs> so let's go read on. And verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. Given a mouth. So he didn't have a mouth before? That's not what it means. Given a mouth means he was given a platform. He was given an outlet to speak. Here's what's going to happen with the Antichrist kingdom. I believe, this is my opinion, you can study it up for yourself and get your own conclusions. I believe he's going to be given a social media and national media platform to speak from. That his agenda will be communicated from that platform and no one else will be able to speak on that platform. He's going to have a mouth to speak great things and he's going to speak these great uh, mega things. That's the word great means megas. So he's going to exceed, make big promises and Talk about all the things that he's going to do. He's going to be given a mouth. He's going to have great support in the media and social media. And he's going to speak blasphemies. What does that mean when he's going to speak blasphemies? The word blasphemy means to seriously insult, evil speaking, or slander. He will use his mouth or his platform to slander or speak against the things of God or Christian values. It's already happening to a certain extent now, but he's going to put it on blast. That he's strategically going to target Christian values. And he's going to speak against those things. And he's going to use that platform to downplay them and attack them. 
That's what, that's what I believe it's saying. Speaking blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Given authority to continue. The word continue means just to uh, perform or do or act. So he was given authority to do what he's doing for 42 months. 42 months? How long is 42 months? 42 divided by 12 is three and a half years. Oh, to the board. Three and a half years. So right here, that's the first three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation we're talking about. So the Antichrist is going to be given authority. When I first read the Bible, and this is what they used to tell me, said God's going to give him authority to continue for 42 months. He was given authority. But now I'm like, God didn't give him authority. God ain't given him authority for 42 months. Who's going to give him authority? <laughs> Verse 2 already told us Satan gave him his authority. Verse 4 told us Satan, the dragon, gave him his authority. Also, this 10-king coalition that comes together to form this Antichrist kingdom, they're going to come. Daniel uh, talks about this, that there will be a little horn come up in the 8th kingdom right there. What a beautiful little horn. And he's going to tear off some other horns, and he's going to be the leader. So they're going to put him in a place of, leader, of leadership and he's going to be the authority for this Antichrist kingdom for the first three and a half years. Now when I say Antichrist kingdom, I hope you know it's not going to be the label of their kingdom. They're not going to have t-shirts. Part of the Antichrist kingdom. No, he's not going to hand out business cards, president of the Antichrist kingdom. It's going to be Slick Willie. He's going to deceive many, the Bible says. All right, so he's going to do this for 42 months. Then, verse 6, after that, he's going to be, uh, he's going to feel his oats. Then, verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. Remember, he started out just speaking blasphemies against the values of God. Now he's going to open his mouth at the three-and-a-half-year mark, and he's going to start blaspheming God himself. Why? Because he's going to say, I'm God. Blaspheme against God, blaspheme against his name, against his tabernacle. If he's going to blaspheme the tabernacle of God, there has to be a tabernacle to blaspheme. Why is that important? Maybe you don't know about that. They're going to rebuild a tabernacle in Jerusalem, and they're going to restart animal sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. Why is that important? I'm glad you asked. Because when they rebuild the temple... That should be a neon sign to us to say, oh, 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 I know what's coming next. This is why we got to know our Bible, so that we won't be deceived. God's wanting to shine the light in Goshen, that we will not walk in darkness like everyone else walks in darkness. We'll be like, I know what's up. There goes the temple. Boom, I know what's happening next. Okay, let's go ahead. My time's getting away from me. <laughs> blaspheme the temple. Yep, that's what I said, the tabernacle. And those who dwell in heaven, look at verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. Oh, here's a verse we don't like. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. Again, I was taught erroneously that it was God granted him to make war with the saints. God did not grant him to make war with the saints. He's not the one doing that. That's not where he gets his authority from. Here's what's going to happen. Again, my opinion, you can call it what you want, but I believe in that moment because there's a distinct difference between 
Oh, I got to teach this for a moment. How many moments do I have? Oh, Jesus. There's a distinct difference between what God desires to happen and what he allows to happen. We need to understand this distinction because I was taught a certain way growing up and now I've come to know a certain, I have a different perspective. And here's what I think. Just because something happens does not mean God wanted it to happen. People will say, well, he allowed it. Let me, let me make sure we understand what allow means. Don't take God allowed something on a specific level when he allows something on a general level. Here's, let, me, let me clear that up. God allowed free will. Because God allowed free will, all kinds of things spider off of what he allowed in generality, but he did not necessarily want this in specificity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like he, he allowed the angels to choose to worship him. It doesn't mean he wanted Lucifer to bail. Did he allow it? Yes. Did he want it? No. He allowed Adam and Eve to eat the fruit. Did he want them to? Was it his will for them to eat it? No. Did he allow it? He allowed it because he gave them a choice. He didn't allow it like, oh, I'm going to allow it because I want you to do that. I allow you to do what you want and therefore things will happen. Does that make sense? That's a whole sermon that I just gave you in a few seconds, but I want you to see it. Then he opened his, uh, sorry, it was granted to him to make war. So it was granted to him to make war. So does God want him to make war with the saints? Not necessarily, but he gives them the opportunity because he gives them the free will. And here's what's going to happen. At the three and a half year mark, he's, he's going to be Mr. Nicey Nice for the first three and a half years. But then at the three and a half year mark is what the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. The great tribulation starts when the abomination of desolation takes place, when all of a sudden he stops these animals' sacrifices that they restarted. And he says, no more offering animals to Jehovah. From now on, I am going to be God. He's going to set himself up and say, only sacrifices to me. That's what's going to happen. And he's granted to make war with the saints. So at that time, he's granted to make war with who? Notice it's a specific group. He didn't say he's granted to make war with Americans. He didn't say he's granted to make war with Caucasian, African-American, Asian, Latino. He didn't say um, he's granted to make war with, with Muslim or Buddhist. He's granted to make war with the uh, saints. The Antichrist is the enemy of the saints of God. And there will come a time that legally he will be given permission to make war against all believers. It will be a legal issue that he will be granted the power to go against all believers, all people who profess Christ as their Lord and Savior. He will make war with them and to overcome them. You're like, Chad, well, that doesn't sound very encouraging. <laughs> when the Lord asked me to start speaking on some of these things, I, I bucked because I like rah-rah speeches. But he spoke to me in this way and said, Chad, I want you to start redefining what overcome means to you. Lord, please explain. You define overcome as always coming out the way you want it to come out. 
I, over, I consider overcoming an eternal perspective. You look at it from a time perspective. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what are, you, what, are, what, are you, what are you trying to tell us? He said, listen, there are going to be some people. I, I wrote this down. The Antichrist and Satan will overcome some of the saints physically. It's happening right now. It's happening in the world right now. It's not happening in North City. It's not happening in, in, in our area right here. But it is happening around the world every single day. People are losing their life because they say, I belong to Jesus. They're breaking into their homes and they're checking out their phones to see if they can find a Bible app or anything that would be proof that they are a follower of Jesus. And if they find them, they kill them on the spot. We don't have that problem in the Western world. We're not facing that kind of tribulation. We're, we're facing, well, what are they making fun of me? We're not dealing with that yet. But what he's telling us is, I want us to be prepared so that we know that overcoming is not that it works out the way I want it to. It's saying, no matter if he takes my life, I still win. He said, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So if he comes to these believers and says, listen, you either renounce Christ or we're taking you out. They say, well, we're not renouncing Christ. So take me out. In that moment, they may be overcome physically, but they overcome spiritually. We've got to redefine overcoming. And this is what's happened. The church has become, and I don't mean this as a, uh, um, a word. There's a word I'm looking for. I'll just say it's not an insult. I'm not talking down to anybody because I'm you. I'm with you. I may be up here on the platform, but I'm you. We're all in this together. But the church has come, become so weak that we struggle when there's no toilet paper at Walmart. We, 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 we struggle over the most petty things. And God's saying, listen, times are coming. And why has he asked me to talk about this? He's asked me to talk about this because he said, Chad, please prepare my bride. But too many people are, are fine with coming to church, but they don't want to be disciples. That it's going to take disciples to endure this. It's going to take disciples to look this time and season in the eye and say, wait a minute, I was made for this. I may be overcome. See, the devils and the Antichrist are going to win some battles. They're winning them right now. I can tell you stories right now of people that uh, are showing up at church knowing when they show up, they're going to die. People are staging, they're waiting for them, that when they show up to the church, and they're showing up anyway. That's courage. That's courage. So I'm saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? Here's what I believe he wants us to do. He wants you and I to focus back on the reality that this whole thing, this whole world, is not about our job and a retirement plan. And coming to church and being a nice moral person and doing the best I can. It is about a king and a kingdom. It is about a kingdom. His name's Jesus and he's coming back. He's coming back. And team Jesus is going to win. You're not on team Jesus, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose miserably. So what do we want to do? We want to introduce people not to the Rhodes Church. We want to point them to Jesus. Say Jesus is the one we serve. Jesus is the one we're going to give our lives to. Because look what happens. He's going to overcome them, and authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth 
will worship him. Who's going to worship the Antichrist and the dragon? All who dwell on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? <laughs> it means those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who have said, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior. Not just said words, but in their heart, they've been born again, made new. They've repented, given their life to Jesus. Those people will not worship him. Everybody else will. Why? Because they won't know. Only way we will know is because we will have the knowledge of God given to us that we will see things that other people don't see. We will be awakened to things they will not be awakened to. We will have revelation that they will not have. We will have an awareness that we don't have. Why is it important for the church to be here in this time so we can tell people, hey, we know who that is. Stop. Don't go that way. Run to Jesus. How will people believe unless they're told? He said, listen, we're not going to be fooled. We're not going to be bamboozled. Mm -mm. We're not going to be because we're going to study our word and we're going to watch these things. Jesus told this to me. He said to speak it in the end of the first service. As I, I listened, I felt like he wanted to say something. He said, I want you to tell them that I love them and I wrote this book just for them to tell them what's coming. He didn't, tell, he didn't write Revelation. He didn't give these visions to John. He didn't give him all this stuff for it to sit on our nightstand and say, I'll see you next week. You may have to go home and dust this baby off. Dust it off. Open it up and watch what God wants to do in your life. I'm telling you, it's coming to pass. It's playing out right in front of us. What's happening is only going to accelerate. Is it going to accelerate? Oh, no, it's going to happen. Get encouraged. Yeah. There's two ways to look at it. I can either look at it like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Or I can look at it, oh, wait a minute. Because God told me this. He said, listen, is the Antichrist going to have authority? Yes. But the knowledge of the fact that he has authority should never negate the fact of where we get our authority. When he gets his authority, mine doesn't go away. Am I helping anybody? Maybe, maybe two. See, authority of the believer does not go away when the Antichrist comes. Our stays. It's still here. We've been given. He has the authority of who? He has the authority of who? Satan. Satan. We have the authority of who? Jesus. God, Jesus. Whose authority is greater, Jesus or Satan? Jesus. So if we've got the authority of Jesus and he's got the authority of Satan, what God's asking for is are there any sons of daughters who are going to have the gumption to embrace the authority that I've given them and exercise it in the face of adversity? Is there anybody that's going to say, hey, I'm on Jesus' side. I'm on the victorious side. I'm on the side of the king. It's going to take a change of mindset. It's going to, change, it's going to take a change of thought that I don't just go to church. I go to church to learn something, come to school, but you better take the kingdom with you. Everywhere you go, you're walking around with the kingdom.
He's like, hey, I, I, I'm going to raise up some sons and daughters for an authority because they're going to do something. Look, I closed my Bible, but I got to finish that last verse. Revelation 13. Here it is. My Bible almost opens up there on its own. <laughs> verse 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. What's that mean? We read over that. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Do you realize some of the things that we're going to say? Some people with ears will not hear. They'll not pay attention. Some are zoning out. They'll be like, yeah, whatever. But if you have an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. Because this will happen. As somebody talked to me the other day, it's other, I always use the phrase other day. It could have been three months ago when I say other day. <laughs> it's a problem I have. They said, listen, I just think all this stuff that's talking about all this stuff is not important. And I said, okay. I'm not saying everybody needs to talk about it. I'm not saying it, everybody needs to talk about it all right now. But I'm saying someday this is going to happen. Someday, Revelation 13 is going to happen in the physical, in the natural. I think it's pretty soon. Some say this, well, I just, I'm just trusting I'm going to be gone before that all happens. I just hope I'm out of What about your kids? Anybody care about your kids? I may not see it. I think I will. I'm pretty confident I will. But maybe I won't. Let's say I won't. My kids better be paying attention. Well, maybe your kids won't say. My grandkids need to know because they need to know that this is more than just stories and attending a church service. This is a reality of our world that's coming to pass. There is a spiritual world that's going to invade this physical world and we will know for certain everything that we ever heard is actually true. So he's saying... Has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Let me read that again. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. Come on, listen. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. What is he saying? He's saying he's giving you the principle of sowing and reaping. He's giving you Galatians chapter 6. Right here. That whoever leads into captivity, the one who thinks they're free and they're taking everybody else captive, God's saying, hang on, here is the faith and patience of the saints. Oh, man, this is so good. I want a few more minutes. This, this is the faith and patience of the saints that even if someone is leading me into captivity, I know in my heart the one who's leading me into captivity is going to be into captivity. Even And this don't mean anything to us in the West, but man, to someone who's in Afghanistan right now, he who kills with the sword, I watch my baby get killed with a sword. Oh, here is the faith and patience of the saints. Yes. Yes. 
we have got to learn to overcome in a different mindset. Faith and patience of the saints. We will face adversity. We will face opposition. We will face even the loss of our lives possibly. I don't know if that's going to happen. But God's saying, I want you to be prepared to walk in faith and patience. That reminds me of a scripture. Which reminds, reminds me. Reminds me. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Believers, it's time to walk in faith and patience. Faith and patience. It's not, it's, it's not time to walk in feelings. Hmm. That time's passed. We gotta walk in faith and patience. Faith and patience so that I know if someone's taking me into captivity, I've got a song in my heart. How am, I, how am I singing? The same way they were singing in the jail at midnight. You gotta stop, you gotta stop. This stuff keeps coming up. They were singing in the jail at midnight. They're captive, people took them captive, but all of a sudden, the chains began to be broken and the doors were flung open. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.